Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Hi, it's Rachel Hollis, and this is the Start Today podcast. The Start Today community are people from every walk of life all around the world, but we all have one important thing in common. We're all trying to become a better version of ourselves. This is a community of dreamers and doers. This is a cohort of learners and leaders. This is a space where we celebrate trying again, learning from failure, and rooting each other on. We believe that when you start each day with gratitude and intention, you can produce incredible results. Start today this way. Hey guys, it's Rach. Welcome to a new episode of Start Today on RHP. That is the Start Today community on the Rachel Hollis podcast. I'm Rachel Hollis. I'll be your friend. I'm going to talk you through some things today. But if you have never heard of the Start Today community, we are a group of people who are just working on stuff. We're trying stuff. We're doing stuff. Start Today began for me as a project to really carry my dreams forward to not just talk about things, but actually take action and create traction and hopefully get some of my dreams across the finish line. And I started these daily habits that really helped me along the way. I started to achieve some pretty big goals. And in doing so, my online community kept asking like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? What? And I was like, y'all, it is the simplest practice. You can do this thing too. But what was born out of all of those questions was a journal, a journal that helped me to do daily habits, a journal that has sold hundreds of thousands of copies. But I always, always, always say you do not need to buy any product to do this habit. You can listen to episode 72 of this podcast or episode zero of the Start Today podcast if you really want to go on a Start Today journey. But Every Monday, I dedicate the Monday episode of my show specifically to people who are working on things. So we talk about goals, we talk about how to create traction, we talk about business, we talk about personal development, we take deep dives, and hopefully I can give you guys some really good tactics along those lines. That's what we're doing today. So I hope you'll stick around if this is your first time here. I'm glad that you're here. And if you hang out with me all the time, I'm glad that you're back. And you should know right now that today's episode is based on your questions. If you are hanging out with us on Instagram at the Start Today brand, we posted this question. We were like, hey, Rach is going to do some episodes. I know I'm speaking in third person, but someone on my team, shout out to Molly. Molly posted and said, hey, you guys, Rach is going to do some episodes. Are there any questions that you specifically really want her to take a deep dive on? And then Molly compiled all of those questions for me. She put them in a sheet, and it just so happened that a whole section of that sheet was goals, just 
15 different questions about goals. How do you achieve a goal? How do you narrow down a goal? How do you focus on a goal if you've got priorities? Like all of these questions. So I thought, well, that has to be an episode because I feel like this is one of those topics that no matter how much I speak on it, it's never enough. And I get that. I totally get that because there are things that I'm really passionate about in my life. Like I'm really passionate about making the best choices for my health and figuring out how to live in a state of wellness, how to live with energy and vitality. So I'm constantly like tweaking and trying to figure out, okay, if I just adjust this a little bit, would that make a difference? Or if I try this, would that make a difference? It's why when I'm doing the podcast and I interview people, inevitably, I always ask them like, hey, what diet do you do so that you can have energy? Or how do you structure your day? I'm really passionate about that. So I am never not curious about that specific question. And I feel like it's similar for y'all when it comes to goals. Because once we figure out how to achieve a goal, we have a path. We have a plan of attack. If you can figure out how to achieve one goal, you can apply those learnings to every single area of your life. But if you don't feel like you've started to make real progress on a goal, then you keep asking questions, you keep digging, you keep reading every book or watching every YouTube video trying to come up with something that's going to work for you. So I get it. And what I would also say is I have learned from the same teachers, the same authors. I've gone to the same personal development conferences so many times. And sometimes you have to hear something several different times or maybe in a few different ways before it really clicks for you. I'm hoping that I'll say something today that you maybe haven't thought of before and it helps you to have a breakthrough in the goals that you're working on in your life. But I'm not following a typical structure for today's episode. Normally, I would break it out and be like, here are seven ways to achieve a goal. Today, I am straight up just answering your very specific questions as it pertains to goals so I can make sure and hopefully cover any bases that you might have. Let's start at the beginning, which reminds me of Sound of Music, but let's start at the beginning with kind of going in order here that makes the most sense to me. The first question I'm going to answer is how do you decide on your 10 goals? Now, if you do not know what this person is referencing with a question, let me explain just real top line. Again, I would encourage you to go listen to episode zero of the Start Today podcast. You can listen to episode 72 of this podcast, but I recorded that so long ago, I'm not even sure exactly what I said in that conversation. Essentially, how I look at goals is to start with the end in mind, to start with the finish line. I ask myself, where do I want to end up? Where do I want to go in this life? Where do I want to go with my career? How do I want to show up as a mother? How do I want to show up as a friend? I start with the end result in mind. And in order to do that, I like to do a guided visualization, guided meditation. That's what those episodes are if you want to go listen to them, where I do a gratitude practice and from a state of gratitude, which like really fires me up, gives me energy, makes me feel good, makes me feel like, wow, look at all of the ways that God is blessing me. Look at how the universe continues to provide from that state. I start to daydream. I start to imagine. And I aim to see the vision that I have. I say it over and over in the meditation. I'm like, see it like a movie playing in your mind. And I know not everybody is visual, but I'm super visual. I'm a visual learner. I need to see things. If you tell me, hey, we're going to go on this trip and we're going to go this, this, and this day, and we're going to do these things, and blah, I'm like, I actually, I have to look at a calendar while you explain that. It's just how my brain works. I need to see the thing in order to understand it. And it's the same with me when it comes to goals or where I want to take my life. So I learned this practice a very long time ago of imagining into the future. So y'all have probably heard me tell the story. I went to a personal development conference, gosh, seven years ago. And it was UPW, by the way, I've like talked about it a ton. 
But we did this thing where we imagined like, who do you want to be in 20 years? Who do you want to be in 10 years? Who do you want to be in five? That was really effective for me because it gave me something to aim my imagination at. So I imagined where do I want to be in a certain amount of years? And I have adopted that into my own practice and into my own life of where do you want to be 10 years from now? Some people get super overwhelmed by the idea of 10 years. And I found that the younger my audience is, the more 10 years freak them out. I think those of us, like I'm 41, those of us who are older, 10 years we know it's that fast, right? It goes so quickly. But if you're 20, the idea of 10 years might be overwhelming. So you pick a future time that works for you. 10 years, five years, you could even go, who do I wanna be 12 months from today? But that's where I start. I start by using my imagination to think, what is like the best of the best? If I continue on this path, if I make the right choices, if I show up for my life, if I show up with my whole heart, if I work hard and I really put the effort in, who could I be 10 years from today? Who could I be five years from today? And I just imagine it. And I would encourage you to let your mind take you wherever it wants to go. When I first started doing this practice, I imagined things that now seem a little simple to me or maybe silly. Like I would imagine, oh my gosh, you know, 10 years in the future, I'll be able to go to this steakhouse and I'll be able to order a nice glass of wine and steak dinner. And I'll be able to like take my kids and I won't worry about the price on the menu. And maybe that seems really silly to you, but I didn't grow up with money. And one of my favorite things in life is going to a restaurant. So for me, that was like what I could imagine was like, oh my gosh, someday I'm gonna go to a fancy steakhouse and I'm gonna take my kids and we're gonna have a lovely dinner. And that was where it started. And then it would be like, okay, well, what outfit am I wearing to the steakhouse? And how do I carry myself? Am I more confident 10 years in the future? Are my shoulders back? Am I nervous to be in this restaurant? Or am I speaking with the waiter and kind of joking around and I feel really comfortable there? Ooh, maybe when I walk into the restaurant, I'm a regular and they know me. And they greet me by name and they say hello. And ooh, maybe at the restaurant, I'm a really good tipper because I've made enough money that I can be generous with my money. And I just, I started with like one small visual and I just kept adding on from there. And then that visual would give me sort of insights into what would have to be true in my life in the future in order for that vision to be made manifest. And I would just keep going and keep imagining things. Ooh, and maybe I'd drive this car and ooh, maybe I'd live in this neighborhood. Maybe I'd have this house. Or if you have kids, it's really helpful to ask, well, how old will my kids be 10 years in the future? Or how old will my kids be next year? Where will our family be in the season of life? But I just really let my imagination run wild. And once I have a really strong visual and Y'all, the visual needs to be strong enough that you feel excited in your belly. Like you feel like, oh my gosh, that would be so cool. The vision that you have, it needs to inspire you, right? If you start to imagine things in the future and you feel overwhelmed, you start to feel anxious or unsure, you're doing it wrong. This is something that is supposed to feel good. And if you take this on and it's not feeling good, then you're attaching the wrong emotion to the vision and it's never gonna produce the results that you want. If you're attaching fear to the vision you have of the future, you actually need to do more unpacking about your past before you begin to build a new foundation. And not to take too deep of a dive into that, but if you begin to imagine a beautiful life for yourself and the resulting energy that you feel in your body is a negative one, let's say it's fear or anger or bitterness or that's impossible, I can never have that, you got to get to the root cause of why you have those feelings when you're imagining something good. Sometimes we may feel that way because we know that 
the vision we have of our future in order to pull off that vision would require us letting go of parts of our present life. And so that overwhelms us. We're like, oh gosh, if I have to stop hanging out with these friends in order to have that future, then you start to get negative emotions because the confrontation that would need to happen in order for you to get there. And if that's where the emotion comes from, then I would just give you a little insight here that you're actually not focusing on what, you're focusing on how. Let me, let me explain that a little bit better. When you imagine your future, when you imagine a brighter, more beautiful, happier, better future for yourself, your family, your kids, you should only be focused on what. What does it look like? What will it feel like? What, what happens here? What happens there? What, what, what? You are just focusing on what can be. The anxiety happens when you start focusing on how. When you hear that little voice in the back of your head that's like, well, how would we pull that off? Well, you don't know anybody. Well, you don't have any money. You're not smart enough. You're not this. You're not. Well, in order to do that, you'd have to break up with this guy. In order to do that, you'd have to leave your girlfriend because she's the worst. In order to do that, you start focusing on the how. The how is going to take you off course every time. And there is a time and a place for how are we going to do this? But the time and place for how are we going to pull this off is not when you're daydreaming. It's not when you're imagining things. You should just be focused on what could be. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I heard a, a teacher speaking on manifesting once, and she said, just think of it as like, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if I could take the kids on a vacation to Hawaii this summer? Wouldn't it be nice if I could pay for my children to go to college so that they didn't have student loan debt. Wouldn't it be nice if I could pay off me, mom, papa's house? Wouldn't it be nice if I could help my parents? Wouldn't it be nice? So I love that because it just feels like light and fun and not too much pressure. And every time I think it, I hear the Beach Boys song. Wouldn't it be nice? Don't, I know I can't sing, but I just love that soundtrack as I'm daydreaming. And I'll put on that song. It's also just such a good album. But I'll put on that song and listen. And over, I'm just saying, wouldn't it be nice? Dun, 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 dun. Wouldn't it It's just like happy and light. And it feels really good in my body. That practice of imagining, that should feel really good in your body. So sometimes we get overwhelmed because we're focusing on how we'll pull it off. That's a problem for future rage. 
That's a problem for future Amber. That's a problem for future Brian. That is not a problem for you right now. You right now, you're just a visionary, okay? You're just starting with, would, wouldn't it be nice to go to this place? Now, the other reason that you could be getting overwhelmed or attaching negative emotions as you have that visualization is because maybe you do need to do some unpacking. Maybe you do need to sit with a therapist. Maybe you need to understand, whoa, where did this negative emotion come? Where did this happen? Why did this like, there are certain things that I've really had to work on with the therapist to understand where that limiting belief shows up or why I have some sort of energetic block around a certain thing or why I can't kind of get to the next level psychologically, like what is going on? And I need to verbally process that with someone to understand why that emotion is showing up. But if you can't understand why you're feeling negativity when you imagine something that should be beautiful and light and fun, that's, that's an area that we need to take a dive into because that could be your whole issue right there. Your whole issue could be like, it's not that you're not a hard worker. It's not that you're not connected. It's not that this isn't a great idea. Your whole issue could be you know what? When I was little, all I heard was mom and daddy talk about how poor we were, how we didn't have money, how success wasn't for people like us. Maybe you heard or were taught or absorbed negativity around something that reminds you of the circumstance you're in right now. And so even if you're not conscious of it, you self-sabotage because you have so much fear attached to this thing that no amount of visualization is gonna help you get over. You gotta reset the foundation before you can build. But hopefully most of us are in a place where we do feel like we can dream and we can get excited. And once you have that vision in your mind, we're gonna go back to the original question someone asked, which is, Rachel, how do you turn the vision into 10 dreams? So what they're referencing is in my Start Today journal, Again, you don't need to buy it, but what's in there is a daily prompt that asks you to take the vision you have of the future and break it down into 10 different dreams for your life. Now, the opening chapter of the journal is like literally a full chapter where I explain this whole process. You can workbook it. You can write it out. You can figure out what your 10 dreams are and I saw someone, someone sent a note to our customer service after she got the journal. It was the first time she got it. And she's like, I don't, I don't get it. I thought the whole thing was daily prompt pages, but there's like a full chapter of a book with words in my journal. <laughs> Bless. I was like, oh, I guess I am making a product that I would like to have. And I love to read. I love books. And I'm an author. I've written 10 books. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do this journal, I want to explain it. If someone were to pick it up in a shop or they didn't know anything about me, I would want to explain to people how to do this process. So that's what the opening chapter is, if any of you are curious. But I did try really hard to explain it as best I could. And there is a section of that opening chapter that tells you how to figure out the 10 dreams. But there's a way to figure it out. If you're not watching this on YouTube, if you're just listening to me, I'm going to try and explain it to you without you being able to see it. Imagine a spider for like a spider graph. Is that a thing? Imagine a circle in the middle of a page and in the middle of the circle is that life that you see for yourself 10 years from now, five years from now, one year from now. It is your future self. And I gave you some ideas about my future self and what she would look like and what she would be up to, that's the visual I have. And then coming away from that circle, I want you to imagine kind of spider webs or daisy petals or something. Just imagine lines coming away from that center circle. And on each one of those lines, as many as you want, I want you to write things that must be true in order for that future self to be made manifest. You could have total fun with this, or you could be really literal, but what are things that would be true for that future self to be made real? 
So I told you, I go to a, a fancy steakhouse with my kids. I got four kids. That's a lot of kids. Fancy steakhouse. It's going to be expensive. I told you in that future vision, I don't have to worry about whether or not I can afford it. And I'm a great tipper. And not only that, but when we walk in the room, they know us because we come there. All okay. So all of those things for that future that I had sound like they require some finances, right? Like in order for that to be true, I've got to be in a place where I have total financial freedom. I'm blessed with an overabundance. I can indulge with my family. So then maybe one of the things I write down on my graph is like I make $200,000 a year. I'm making up a number. I make X amount, amount of money a year or I do this or I do that. But financially, me as a person, I would have to have some means in order to pull off that future vision. Maybe you looked at your future and you were living off the land, off grid, out of the van that you converted in the Colorado Rockies, right? Maybe that was your vision of the future. Okay, well, what are the things that would be coming off on your little spider graph? What are, what are the legs of the spider, right? So maybe you're like, well, I'd have to buy a van, okay? I'd have to buy a van and then I have to give my van a makeover. And then in order for that to be true, I would have to learn carpentry skills and then I'd have to buy land in Colorado and oh, also in the future version, I have a dog. So, okay, one of my things I'm going to do is a dog. It's any part of the future life that you have. Those are your 10 dreams. And I think that this practice overwhelms people because when they see the future, so many things could be on their list of 10 dreams. So like, well, wait, which ones do I put down? You got two options here. You put down the ones that will get you furthest, fastest, or you put down the ones that are most exciting and thrilling to you. Okay, let's go back to the vision of living off the land in the van in Colorado. Now, what will get you furthest, fastest? Buying land, I guess. Like, just stick your flag in the ground. This is my land. This is where I live. Okay, well, I don't have any money. All right, well, then what will get you furthest fastest is exactly how much money you're going to need to pull off this dream. I need half a million dollars. I have no idea how much it costs to live in a van in the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> I have no idea. So if that's low or high, don't judge me, guys. My point is that you could focus on the ones that will push the dream forward the quickest or you could focus on the ones that are most enjoyable. I have a dog. I hike three times a week, or I am vegan, or whatever you saw of the future, you could focus on the ones that'll push it forward, or you can focus on the ones that are most fun. Here's how your girl does it. Here's how I do it. It's a blend. It's a blend of both things, because the ones that are fun are more enjoyable, but you also potentially find yourself two, three years in the future and you really haven't gotten closer to the big goals that you have for your life. So I like to mix it up. I like to have things on my list, on my 10 dreams that I write down every day in my Start Today journal that are like, holy crap, if we pull that off, <laughs> when we pull that off is a game changer. Everything's gonna change. And then I have stuff on there that's just like fun. I interview Oprah on the podcast. I want to interview Oprah Winfrey. She is my all-time idol forever and ever. Amen. I've written about it. I've talked about it. I've met her, hung out with her. She's amazing. I want to interview her on the Rachel Hollis podcast. That feels doable. Do I think that interviewing Oprah Winfrey on the show would like drastically change my life or would suddenly push the show into a new stratosphere? No. I feel like interviewing Oprah would make me pee my pants and it would make me so happy and my 11-year-old self wouldn't even know what was happening. Something like that, that's just for fun. That's just like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Or like one of my things for a really long time was I'm a confident downhill skier. I started skiing last year and I loved it. And no one was more surprised than me that I loved skiing, but I really loved it. We became a ski fam. 
My boyfriend and I take the kids all the time. It's like our favorite. So for a very long time, I was writing down, I am a confident skier. I love skiing. I, I had this line that was all about skiing. Well, I did it. I got there. Check that off the list. So I get to put a new fun thing on the list in place of that one. But becoming a confident downhill skier didn't give me a mansion in Bali. Like it didn't elevate my life in a big way. It's not even something publicly that anybody knew about. It was just something I enjoyed and wanted for my life. I hope that explains it to you. But essentially, and again, this is the opening chapter of the journal, but essentially you just see the vision of the future. You break it down into things that must be true in order for you to pull it off. There's also a thing in the book where I explain it as like, if your dream life was a recipe, then the 10 dreams that you write down every day, those are the ingredients. And don't stress out about it needing to be perfect before you begin the practice. You can change them. You can adjust them. You can realize like, oh, actually that wasn't the, that one really didn't work. So I'm going to try this one. And you keep, like I said at the beginning, you keep adjusting and tweaking and whatever. And I'm just going to keep repeating this. If you go listen to episode zero, Start Today podcast, I explain to you exactly how to do this in whatever notebook you already have. I do not want y'all to buy the journal unless you just are a little bougie like me and you like a keepsake journal and you want something aesthetically pleasing. But literally any piece of paper you have, you can do this practice. It's about the repetition. The journal isn't magic. The journaling is. Every day, sitting down, starting with gratitude, writing the things you're focused on, and then flipping over to the second half of your journal and creating your plan, creating your results list, which is like, I fill the second half of my journal with my results list. This is not my to-do list. Y'all, a to-do list can be 9 million lines long and not get you any closer to who you want to be. A results list asks, what is the result that I need today in order to push this closer to where I'm trying to go. So that was our first question, the 10 goals. Now let's see the next one. Great follow-up question to the 10, which is how do I drill down to one goal? So at the end of every prompt page in the journal, I ask, what is the one goal that you're gonna focus on first? This was a practice that I needed when I started. I I know about y'all, but like I was so excited about the vision that I had and what I wanted to do. And I would work so hard as an entrepreneur. I worked so hard on my business and I could not understand how I could get to the end of every year and just not make any profit. I'm like, I I think I paid the business this year in order to stay in business. I was so frustrated and I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized it's lack of focus. Start today is, in my opinion, and I guess it's my opinion because it's my brand, this is a community for people who get that consistency is everything. There's no magic bullet. There is no genie in a lamp coming to save you. There is you and what you are willing to show up every single day and do consistency is key and y'all consistency compounds it adds on to itself it stacks onto itself so that all of a sudden you see this like crazy alignment and everything just goes whoosh that's what happens when you see someone you're like oh it was an overnight success no it was not an overnight success it was a decade of putting in hours that nobody saw and then all of a sudden it all just aligned in a perfect way and now they're having success the likes of which they don't even know how to control because it's so much bigger than they thought it can be consistency is everything and the key to consistency is you focusing you knowing what to look at, what to aim at, what am I working on, what matters most. This question, again, not all of these questions are about the journal, but this question is asking, how do I pick the one? Go read The One Thing by Gary Keller. I I, I wish I had a dollar for everyone I told to go read The One Thing by Gary Keller. 
But it really is like, how do you figure out the one goal that's going to make the biggest difference? And just to give you like a Cliff's Notes version of it, it's essentially which goal out of all the 10 dreams that you just wrote down, which one on that list, if you did the one, you wouldn't have to achieve any of the others because it's such a profound goal that if you achieve it, you would literally have to rewrite 10 new dreams because that one goal would elevate you so much that you just went to another echelon. For me, that goal for years and years was I'm a New York Times bestseller. I was like aiming as high as I could think of. I was like a baby author. I had self-published a book. Nowhere closer to where I wanted to be. Every day I'd write that down. I am a New York Times bestseller. I am a New York Times bestseller. I am a New York Times bestseller. It was all I focused on. It, everything I did was about becoming a New York Times bestselling author. And when I finally got to the place where that came true, y'all, it was so much bigger. I can't even explain to you how much that one thing changed my life. It's funny because... It's like we have this vision of our future. We have this, these goals and these ideas, but you really don't know what life is going to be like when you're in that state of success. I remember the first week they called to tell me that I was a New York Times bestseller. My, my publisher called. And I mean, I fell to the floor crying. I was so, God, I had worked on it for so long. I had what was that? My sixth book. It took six books to get to be a New York Times bestseller. It was everything. Popped the champagne. You maybe have heard me talk about that champagne before. I popped that champagne. It was the best. And then the next week, I, I think I debuted. So there's 10 books on the list in your respective categories. And I want to say I debuted at like eight or something. And I was like, hot damn, that's all I ever wanted. I just want to be able to have that little thing after my name, Rachel Hollis, New York Times bestseller. They call back next week and they said, hey, you're, you're, you're six. You're six on the list. And I was like, what? It had never occurred to me, not one time, not one time, that I would be on that list for more than one week. I wasn't trying to like be on the list. I just wanted to make it once, get that little note next to my name, and I was good. Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing sat on that New York Times list for over a year. Girl, Wash Your Face sat at number one. They, they would like take, in fact, I have over here in my office, I've got Girl, Stop Apologizing, which debuted at number one on the list. And the second best-selling book that week was Girl, Wash Your Face. So in the same week, I was one and two on the New York Times bestseller list which is the coolest freaking thing. So, so badass. But I have to tell you, no joke, the second that I was on it for the second week and then the third week and then the fourth week and every week, my publisher called to be so excited. Oh my gosh, you're on the... It scared the crap out of me. I felt so overwhelmed by that. I, I feel like some of you are gonna get this, that it was like when I was working on the goal I was working in obscurity. Nobody really cared. I mean, I had this amazing team around me at work who like so helped me push those things forward. But it wasn't like anyone, none of us really thought, <laughs> right? None of us really knew what that would be like. I didn't have friends or family who were in the industry. Like nobody really knew. And then when it started to have success, suddenly now everyone was paying attention. And all of the sudden, I then felt like now other people were invested in me continuing to succeed, meaning like now my publisher was really into me and they're really into my books and they were so excited so that I started to get anxiety like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly maintain, like I can't, I don't know how to make this stay on the list. And people are like, oh my gosh, it's week six, it's week seven. You know, I told you earlier when I met Oprah. It's literally the first thing that she said to me. 
She was like, I watched that book every week. She said 57 weeks on the bestseller list. Like, how does that even feel? And I honestly, that is not me. There's no world where I can make that happen. But what I believe happens is that we put in the hours, we put in the time, we're consistent, consistent, consistent. We lay a foundation. We keep laying a foundation. Literally, no one's paying attention to the foundation but us. We keep the infrastructure going. We keep putting in the time. We keep, And then all of a sudden, it's like a flywheel. We've put in so much time and energy and effort that whoosh, it's out of our hands. The success now is happening. We don't even need to touch it. It's the result of all of that time that you put in in the past that nobody ever saw. There's a great like Nike video with Michael Phelps or something where it says, you're rewarded in the spotlight for the hours you put in in the dark. You're rewarded for the effort you put in that nobody sees. And so when you ask me, what's the one goal? What's the one goal I should focus on to change everything? Look at your list of dreams and ask yourself, what's the one thing on here that would literally shake the foundations of my life were it to come true? And then that is the thing that you focus in on every single day. Uh, another question that kind of feels similar here is someone said, how do I commit to just one goal when they all feel urgent? Well, if everything is important, then nothing is important. It's going back to the one thing question. What's your version of the New York Times list? What's your version of I buy the land in the Colorado Rockies? What's your version of that? That everything would have to shift in order for this to be true. Same kind of question. How do you know what goal to work on first? Same answer. What's the one that's going to be most impactful? And I also feel like it's worth adding a little caveat there and saying that really feels dependent on the season of life that you're in. If you are in a season of life where something, let's say in your personal life, like you just had a new baby or maybe you just got married or your youngest kid is in their senior year of high school and you're like, oh my gosh, it's January. At the end of this year, they're going to college. Like this is my last bits of time with them, with them living at home. So maybe this isn't the season where you go ham on your all-time dream of being a professional tap dancer. Like maybe this isn't the season for that. Choose the goal that is appropriate for where your life is. Y'all, life is long. If you're blessed enough to live a long life, which most of us will be, this life is long. You have time. You have time, but there are certain seasons of life where you won't be able to get that time back, where the most important thing that you could do right now is practice self-care, where the most important thing for you to do is not wake up at 5 a.m. It's actually to get some extra sleep because you're going through menopause and you need it, right? Or maybe the most important thing is that you need to spend time with your parents because they're getting older, like... Listen to your heart, listen to your intuition, and trust that the opportunity will be there. Life will be there for you to show up when you are ready, when it's the right time. For me, it's never about, oh, what's the end all be all goal? Because there's no such thing. All of this, my all of my work, my books, my podcast, start today, like every single thing is about how can you and I live a little bit better today than we did yesterday? How can we be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday? How can we put in, you know, James Clear, 1% more effort? How, how could we do that? What would that look like in our life if we just put in a little bit more? The quality of our life would so improve. Maybe the goal or the dream is about health. Maybe it's, I really got to go back to therapy and figure out this childhood trauma. I really need to do this. I really need to strengthen my marriage, or I really need to be honest about the fact that my marriage is over. It doesn't have to be anybody else's dream. It's just supposed to be goals that will make your life better. Uh, this question kind of goes with that. How do I prioritize goals 
when I have a lot of responsibility in my life. Yeah, that that's the same. That kind of ties in really nicely with what I was just explaining, that depending on the season, there's going to be different things that you need to do for where you are in this season of life. There are seasons that we sprint, and there are seasons where we're like slow and steady, right? If you don't have the energy for a sprinting season, if that's not what the season is calling for, then don't. Then don't. Maybe the one of the dreams you're working on is like, I do yoga once a week, drink more water. They don't have to be earth-shattering things because the reality is that you implementing small habits that improve the quality of your life actually will have exponential results in the long run. So don't y'all overwhelm yourself with what it needs to be, how it needs to show up. Do what feels right for where you are right now. Okay, this is actually a fantastic question. How do I navigate the goals that I don't have any control over? Guess what? You don't have any control over anything other than your effort. That's it. That's what you have control over. And there are so many studies on like who's happier in life, people who focus on what they can control or people who focus on what they can't. A great example of this, let's go back to me and writing books because I didn't have any connections to the world of publishing. I didn't know how to go about that process. And so I only focused on what I could control. What I could control was how many words I wrote a day, the research that I did on how to get into the publishing industry. I could control the meetings I went to, the networking I did, the like research, I could control my efforts to find out more, to gain more knowledge so that when the time was right, I could make the right moves. I'm going to go back to Oprah because she's the theme of today's episode apparently. But one of my favorite quotes of hers is, there's no such thing as luck. There's only preparation meeting opportunity at a moment in time. And that is very much my publishing career. I prepared, 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 prepared. I did everything I could to prepare so that when I got the opportunity, when I finally got a meeting with a lit agent, when I finally got that moment, I was ready and I had the ability to back it up. So here's a fantastic example. I've used this in business a ton. I still use this in business today. Maybe this will be helpful to you guys. When I first wrote a book, I thought that's all I had to do. I thought if I wrote a book, then I would be a published author and I would be a bestseller and that was my whole plan. And guess what? That's not how it works. So I get a lit agent and honestly, I think that she reached out to me. I don't think I even tried to get a literary agent. I was writing every day. I was writing my goals down. I was writing them a New York Times bestseller. And I really was like putting it out in the universe. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Now, simultaneously, I had a blog. So not only was I writing a book for myself, but I also was putting my work out online. This is like so long, 2013, let's say. And a lit agent reaches out to me. She says, hey, I think you got an idea here. If you want to write a book, I'll send it out for you. And I'm like, holy crap, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Send the book out. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. And forgive me, y'all. I know a bunch of you heard me tell the story, but I told this story the other day and my boyfriend had never heard it. And I was like, how have you never heard my like favorite story about how I became a published author? She sends it out. And how it works in the publishing world is that you basically send out the work and then you give publishers a timeline. So you say, hey, two weeks from now, drop dead, like, I have to know whether or not you want this book, because otherwise they'd just sit on it, they, you know, wouldn't read it. So two weeks go by, slowly one publisher after another is turning it down, turning it down. We get to the Friday, the last day when my book could potentially be picked up by someone. And I didn't have a lot of hope, but I thought maybe. I swear this is true. It's later in the evening. There was one publisher who had not called, and I'm waiting for the call to tell me whether or not they maybe want to 
get my book and I'm so anxious because everyone else has said no and I want this so badly and I thought that all I had to do was finish the book and then it would happen and my phone rings and it's a 212 number. And for those of you who are not in the US, 212 is New York and New York is where all the publishers were. So I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, a New York number is calling me, this is it. And I answer the phone and a voice says, congratulations. And I crap my pants. And then the voice continues, you have just won a free cruise. And I lose it. I mean, I am in the floor crying my eyes out because it just felt like the cruelest joke after like so much hope. so much, And then like end of the day, New York number. And it's like someone trying to sell me a free cruise. I'm so upset. I go shut myself in the bathroom. I'm li- I remember this so distinctly. My back's to the wall. I'm literally on the floor sobbing. My oldest, who was like 10 years ago, so he was seven, knocks on the door. Mommy, I'm like, go get your father. My dreams are dead. I mean, I probably didn't say that. I might have. I'm very dramatic. So I'm just bawling on the bathroom floor. And I don't know how long I sat there, but at some point I thought, some voice inside of me said, you already did the hard part. You did the hard part. You wrote the book. And I was like, yeah, I wrote the book. That's the hard part. And if you already did the hard part and all you want is to be able to hold a book that you wrote, well, certainly there are ways to do that. I get up off the bathroom floor, walk to my kitchen, pour myself a glass of boxed wine because we're real classy. And I Google, how do you self-publish a book? I self-published that book and like four people read it. And those four people, God bless them, told their friends, who told their friends, who told their friends. That book, which is called Party Girl, it's a fiction book. It's my first book. I love that book. It's so sweet. Those people told their friends who told their friends completely word of mouth. Six months later, I get an email from an editor at Lake Union Press, which was an Amazon publishing company. So Amazon was where I was selling my self-published book because that's the only thing I knew how to do. And because she was at an Amazon imprint, she could see how good my sales were. And that book just kept going, kept going, kept getting bigger, bigger, bigger. People kept handing it around. And I get an email from her and she says, we would like to buy this book from you and we'd love to turn it into a series. And I just about died. I mean, I could not believe it. Nothing had ever shocked me more. But you have to know that even after that book came, I just kept writing every day in my journal, every day, every day, every day. I'm a New York Times bestseller. I'm a New York Times bestseller. I'm a New York Times bestseller. And I can see so clearly now that like, my focus and like every day I'm going to keep writing, every day I'm going to keep putting stuff out. It just kept getting bigger and it kept expanding and then stuff would fall into my lap. You don't have to believe in manifesting or the law of attraction, but like I have lived that. I think we've all lived it, whether or not people are able to recognize that that's what's happening or not. Not only have I lived it, y'all, every single person I sit here and interview on this podcast who has had like impressive careers, careers that pass the test of time and that are around for decades, those people, like everybody who's experienced like, yeah, that's what's happening. Just kept focusing, kept putting out good energy, kept working on the thing. They reach out, they say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna turn this into a book that launched my publishing career. I always tell that story because I love to remind people that say like, oh, well, my wife doesn't believe in my dream or my mom doesn't believe, my dad doesn't get why I want to be a graphic designer instead of a doctor. And they can't see it, y'all. And those are just the people you know. I was told no by every expert, the industry I was trying to break into, every single expert in the industry was like, nobody will read this book. And if I had listened to the experts, the book would still be sitting on my computer. You just keep, you keep going back. You keep pushing it forward. You keep doing the thing. I had no control 
over finding a lit agent. I had no control over the book selling well. I didn't have control over those things. I only have control of my attitude and my effort. And the same is true for you. Focus on what you can do. Every single one of you right now today can look at the goal that you have and go, holy crap, okay, that's 100 miles in the future. What can I do right now today? I can take a single step. I can take a single step forward. That gets me closer to 100 miles from now than I am where I'm standing right now. I told you guys I was going to tell like a little trick that I did and still do in business. I got off on a tangent trying to pump you up. But this does really work. I never had control over getting a literary agent. But after that first person came to me and nobody wanted the book, I literally never heard from her again. I wonder if she followed my career because that's sort of funny. But I never heard from her again because she was like, this chick is cold product. Nobody wants her. Not interested. But now I know, okay, I have a deal. This publishing house has reached out to me and they're offering me a deal. I have never had such a good opportunity to get a big literary agent. Think about this for a second. I could go to literary agents and be like, I'm cool. I write this blog and I have a book out that I self-published. Will you be my agent? Mm, What are the the shots? It's a much smaller percentage. Or I could go out to people and go, I already have a deal. I don't have an agent, but I already have a deal. And if you want to be my agent, you come in right now, you get to work on this deal and you get a percentage of this deal, which is one of the smartest things I ever did in my career because... I knew the exact literary agent that I wanted. Because remember earlier when I told you I didn't have control of that, but I had control of my research and places I networked and the events I went to? I had been going to events for years for up-and-coming authors. I would go to these conferences. I would go sit in classrooms. I, If you're curious, I don't – I'm sure they still do them, but – RWA, which is the Romance Writers of America. You can laugh at romance writers, but those ladies know what they're doing. They know how to put a plot together. They throw the best events. They love a good party. Like I used to love an RWA event. Colleen Hoover, who is like so huge now, back in the day was only huge within our community of people who loved romance books. And she's the best and she's always been the best. But Colleen does an event every year that she still does. I saw it on her social. I'm like, imagine selling a gajillion books like Colleen does and having Blake Lively stars your character in a movie and all the things and you still throw your event for she's the coolest. But what I'm saying is there are events in every single category, in every single industry where you can do your research, where you can meet people. You can control that. I could control attending these events or going into the forums online and learning. And through doing that, I could see the same lit agent over and over that I was like, she is a badass. I want her to be my literary agent. And that became another thing I wrote down in my journal. This person is my agent. This person is my agent. This person is my agent. So then when I had this done deal in my hand, I took that done deal and I used that as a carrot to get the literary agent of my dream. I literally brought her the deal. And we signed together. She was awesome. She was instrumental in so many other deals and so many other things that I did. She was an incredible champion for me. Shout out to Kevin. She's the best. She was like one of my first podcast guests. But all of that happened because I brought value to the proposition. I didn't go to someone, I know I'm getting kind of off on a business tangent, but I feel like some of you will vibe with this. If you wanna be in business with someone, you gotta add value. Your value isn't, I'm cute, I'm good, I can do this, this, and this, because lots of people can. Your value has to be above and beyond if you wanna get someone at a higher level. So I've used that over and over and over where I'm like, man, I'd really love to collaborate with this person, or I'd really love to, get this person on. It's like, okay, don't try and get that until you have value to add to this because those are things you can control. And I got off on a tangent as I love to do because talking about goals is my favorite thing, guys. I'm glad you asked these questions. I really hope 
that how I explained it was helpful. If you go to the Start Today podcast, just like type in Start Today inside of whatever thing you're listening to this on, there are a lot of episodes where I break this down in more detail. If you feel like you need to take a deeper dive, you can grab the Start Today journal at starttoday.com. If you want to do that, you can go listen to episode zero of the Start Today podcast and just do the practice in whatever piece of paper you already have. But I will be back again with more information every Monday. Meet me here if you like these deep dives and uh, come hang out with us on the Start Today brand on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love, we'd love to be friends with y'all. I am Rachel and I'm glad that you're here. And until next time, as always, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Start Today podcast is hosted and produced by Rachel Hollis. Executive produced by Jack Noble. Audio editing by Andrew Weller. It is part of the 3% Chance Network.